and welcome to the Jackcast, your Swansea City podcast. I'm Matt Brock and I'm joined as ever by Steve Carroll. Afternoon, Steve. Afternoon. So this is part two of the uh, Bumper podcast. We started recording the other day. You may have had a chance to listen to the first part. It's online now and all the streaming places and stuff like that. So uh, give that a listen. That took us right the way up until, well, just about the time where Michael Duff was appointed and we stopped there, didn't we? Yeah, um, obviously, like I said, we didn't want to do everything in one go because we'd have been there all night and I think it makes sense um, just to split this up. So, um, yeah, I guess that's the next thing to discuss, uh, obviously, the new man in the dugout. So loads of names bandied about as the media just started touting people and uh, you hear whispers of managers and what sort of managers the new uh, investors were looking for and indeed the old investors as well. the, the the vibe we got from people who knew people who know people was that they're looking now for someone who's some tangible success. Um, obviously, Russell Martin, whilst he's produced great football at MK Dons and at the Swans and stuff, and he's gone on to Southampton now, not actually had any success to prove that that method is, uh, it will work. Now, maybe that's a step away from what we were doing with Russell Martin in terms of the project, but Michael Duff does fit the the mould of what they were looking for if they're looking for someone who can get results as well as uh, what they're looking for yeah I think you know Michael Duff obviously has done well at at Cheltenham which is the place where he started his career spent many years before he went to Burnley which is also you know where he spent many years then um, in the second part of his career but um, I think it was four years there and then promotion in the final season and obviously then he's gone to Barnsley um, and particularly, I would say, in the second half of the season, been very successful results-wise. They run lucky to lose in a playoff final to Sheffield Wednesday. And if you look at it, of course, the top three in League One all did have astronomical points totals, really, well into the 90s. Mm. And Barnsley weren't really hugely far off that either. So, results-wise, they've done very well. Um, you know, um, So, to be fair, I can understand why we've gone down this route. I mean, I'm not saying it's an appointment I necessarily would have made. Um, but I can understand why we've gone through it. I don't think it's a bad move necessarily. And um, But the truth is, as with all managers, they need a degree of backing in the transfer market, and not everyone that we've had recently has had that. But, um, you know, there's some positive signs, I think, so far. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how it goes, really, won't we? When you say not necessarily someone you would have appointed, um, would you have stuck a little bit more closely to the Russell Martin mould or what were you thinking when we were looking for a manager? Yeah, possibly. I mean, look, Martin had his flaws, as we've said many times. I mean, I, I thought sometimes we were taking things a little bit too far um, and obviously the, the, some of the goals we were conceding were really poor. But, you know, I'm, I think one of the stats was about Barnsley being in the bottom half of possession in the, in, in the championship. And, mm. you know, that doesn't particularly encourage me. I'm not saying I expect us to be number one for that. But I want us to be towards the top, certainly higher than that. So, yeah, that does indicate a little bit of a change, really, doesn't it? So, you know, I think change sometimes can be good. I mean, for example, like I said, defensively, we've been poor. And you often found, like, sometimes a midfield player might be looking behind him or looking sideways, sometimes a bit too much. Whereas really what you want is something like, let's use the the Cardiff home game as an example last year. Remember the second goal from Oberfemi was through Grimes putting him through one-on-one. And I'm thinking... We never really did that often enough. So if change means we're going to be taking more of that attitude and if we're going to be playing with wide players with pace and we're going to be looking to try and put them in with through balls, then that has to be a good thing. So, you know, I think we can. there's certain changes that we can make that are good. I mean, we'll have to, as ever, the proof's in the pudding. And we, 
you know, you can't uh, really judge until you're a fair way into the season. So, you know, but his record has been has obviously been good on the whole, as as I've alluded to. His teams are used to winning games, so you know that has to be um, a good thing for us. There's lots of things that were said around what the time Duff was appointed, and I don't know what to make of it. I'm not going to claim for one second that I watch a lot of Barnsley's football and stuff. I can only go on what is out there and what people have said who have watched a lot of it. And some people have said this will be a step back, maybe a bit more towards the Steve Cooper style of play than the Russell Martin. And then at the same time, you look at the goals that Barnsley scored last season, you think, well, Cooper's teams weren't free, free scoring like that. So it's hard to know um, what to expect. What would you expect? I mean, we've seen bits and pieces about high press, winning the ball high up and stuff like that. But what, did, in your mind, are you expecting in August? It's hard to tell, I think, really, at this stage. I mean, quite often managers don't, can't really you know, get what they want early on. It's going to depend on what the situation is. I mean, um, we, we brought some players in, which we'll go on to discuss. You know, only one has gone, one that's not a regular. But obviously, in three weeks' time, we could be a couple of players down if they've gone. You know, more could have come in. It's... I think these things always take um, a little bit of time. But, I mean, the impression I get is that maybe we will take more risks and when we get the ball, we will be looking to play more ambitious balls um, forward as opposed to playing it safe and just trying to keep possession. So, I suppose that's one thing to expect. I do think we'll be better at set pieces as well. I mean, obviously, we've we've changed the goalkeeping culture. I think that will make an impact there at both mm. ends. And, look, that's something that we needed to improve on. So, you know, I think we will see changes. Hopefully... You know, changes for the better, but I mean, if I'm honest, I don't want to see us become a bit like we were under Cooper, you know, this old sit deep, frustrate, you know, try and nick a goal from somewhere, you know, be overly strong on set pieces to the point where it's almost your default. I mean, look, I'd like us to be good at those, but I don't want that to be our like main threat either. So, you know, but we'll see. I mean, we've got to give um, give Duff time, haven't we, you know, um, but I, I'm, I'm hopeful within reason, but I mean, the league does look harder this year. We can't get away from that either, can we? No, exactly. And I think from my point of view, I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't say that we have to weigh up that, um, the fact that he, you say Barnes are in the lower half of the possession stats in League One last year with the fact that we've been discussing just then um, them playing a more risky style of play. And I've often said to you, watching the Swans, I would rather us try the risky through ball. If it comes off one in three or four, then that one could be the difference between winning a game and drawing a game, as opposed to you get the ball in a position, there might be a through ball on, actually I'll play it safe sideways. Well, you're definitely not going to score there then, but you could score if that ball comes off. So I, I've been an advocate of trying the ball more and trying, as you talk about the Grimes against um, Cardiff, where he played in Albert Fermi, um, those sorts of balls where you think it might be on, I need to make a quick decision. Um, and, and you will lose possession in that sense. And but, guess, in, but in areas where you're safe, isn't it? Is. Like you look at that one, for example. I mean, if that had been intercepted, Cardiff would have won in the defense. ball just outside the, the area. And you're thinking, well, from there, there's no real threat. Don't get me wrong, a club like that is going to lump it probably. But look, you're in a far safer position. Whereas, you know, some of the times where we've been... The, the goal kick, for example, you give it away there. What we've said... Which we've seen many times, isn't it? We've often said our most expressive risk-taking players under Russell Martin were our defenders, and the safest ones, the ones who wouldn't take the risks, were the attackers at times. And you were thinking, this has flipped football upside down, because as far as I'm concerned, the attackers in the luxury of 
not conceding a goal-scoring opportunity if they lose the ball should be the expressive ones. And the defenders should be the ones that go, actually, I'm going to weigh my chances up here and actually just deal with it. Um, And this will annoy purists all over listening to it. But I've often said to you, if that ball's bouncing on the six-yard box, I don't want my centre-half to go up and try and play a neat one-two with that. I'd rather them just go, let's get this out for a throw-in or whatever. Let's get our shape back and regroup. There's time and a place to play that beautiful football. And we did take it to some phenomenal extremes under the previous manager. And I think um, a step away from that isn't necessarily a bad thing. But as you say, it has to be measured. There's got to be a balance between wanting to play and, and trying to be expressive in the way we're playing football but also being a bit more, I guess, streetwise and, and, and knowing how we need to approach things so we don't give away silly goals every game, which was a theme. Well, a massive theme, wasn't it? I mean, how many times were we like tearing our hair out thinking, how have we done this? How have we conceded from this situation? Hmm. And look, that's something that does have to change. So, yeah, if we, less risks at the back, more risks going forward, I think is... Yeah. You know, a fairly obvious thing, and I think if that's the way that we decide to change, then look, I think it has to be a good thing, doesn't it? So, yeah, I think you know the the manager seems quite a straight talker, doesn't he? From what the interview, yeah, I've, says, yeah. I've seen, I think you know it's it's pretty clear he knows what he wants and how he wants to go about things. Um, I, I think what you see is what you get. Is the impression that he's given? So he's going to upset you know, a couple of people. I think he's yeah, not the he sort of manager necessarily. I don't think, and this is going on very little information, like your Rogers or whatever, who would put their arm around a player and try and... Um, this is going to, again, take a slightly off of deep on a, on a tangent here, but um, I noticed a change in language as well, in that, um, play, um, like Russell Martin would always talk about, improving the individual, improving the person, improving that the character traits, so that an individual could then go on to bigger and better things than Chief. Whereas Michael Duff seems a lot more centred around the team and the team results and making perhaps personal sacrifices for the benefit of the team. There's no right or wrong way to do this, is there? There's just different ways of looking at the same result. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the fact is, if everyone was the same, then football would be quite boring, really, wouldn't it? So, you know, look, I I think, like you say, I I think man management-wise, he might not be you know, the arm around the shoulder as much as maybe some of the others have been. But like I said, I, th- I do think at the same time, he's, he's straight talking to the point where everybody does know where they stand. I don't think you're going to see a Steve Morrison type character digging people out in public all the time either, which is most certainly not the way to go, if you ask me. Mm. So, look, I'm, but the fact is, you have to say that his his approach in general has worked. I mean, yeah. it did take a little bit of time at Cheltenham, but I mean, at the same time, when you're at Cheltenham, they're not a particularly big side in League Two. So you're not really blessed with uh, a massive budget compared to everybody else. I mean, at Barnsley, one of the bigger sides in League One, you would have thought, certainly not the biggest. Probably a playoff finish would have been the realistic target, I thought. And that's where they ended up. And, you know, they were unlucky in the playoff final, really. One of the few games I did watch, but they had 10 men, didn't they, for most of the game? So, you know, they, they could have easily ended up losing that with it before it, it came to, to full time, but they actually played quite well. So, look, I, I think Duff... Is clearly a, a decent manager. So, uh, we could have most certainly appointed someone worse than him. Um, you know, let's let's give him a chance. Let's get behind him and um, let's hope that you know we within reason we back him. Let's not go mad, but within the, our finances, let's give him a chance to 
to you know be successful rather than with previous managers who just felt as if they'd given him just enough to to keep keep us okay and above the line really and you know that that's certainly not the way to do things you need to give everyone a chance so then if it goes wrong you know you can look at a manager and say look they were given ample chance yeah. and it hasn't worked rather than you know let's say now Martin had been fired in March um, which could have happened because we're on a bad run he'd have turned around and gone well in January um, we lost a few players and nobody came in we were down to the bare bones and it was challenging and every Swans fan in spite of their frustrations with some of the decisions he'd made and some of the the goals we given away and stuff like that would have turned around and gone do you know what how can you possibly say that that's not the truth so I think that's what I always want really as a manager to be backed within reason and then you've got a fair crack at it and then if it goes wrong no complaints yeah there are no complaints on either side you have to go look the what was going on wasn't good enough and you have to make a change so you know I hope that that's the case and they like I say they, they give him the opportunity they, they give us you know um, strength and depth across the board and um, then a manager isn't going to be left short and having to change things around or anything like that. And we can, um, hopefully we can proceed and be successful. Um, talk mentioned a little bit about a language change. It was in his first press conference. <laughs> a few, what I would say, conceive, uh, perceive as uh, little dinks, maybe, at Russell Martin's style of play from Michael Duff. You know, he, did, he doesn't necessarily see things the same way as a previous manager. And like I say, there's no right or wrong way necessarily to approach that in terms of um, there's there's definitely more than one way to play good football. There's you know the the the, the Bielsa method, if you like, with the, with leads in the championship and stuff like that. Uh, there's there's lots of different ways to achieve nice football, and I think we all come back to the same thing as football fans. Um, the owners are the ones that uh, necessarily demand the, the, the success and stuff like that. I mean, from my point of view, first and foremost, I want to enjoy it. That is where I start and stop. I mean, from my point of view, I wasn't enjoying, even though it was, <laughs> in the circumstances, a successful time under Steve Cooper, wasn't enjoying it. Wasn't enjoying it. You got to two playoffs, whatever. Um, you're thinking, you know, this is round and whereabouts where this club needs to be going now to try and get back in the Premier League. But I was glad to see the back of him. And I think whether Duff plays um, uh, a, a similar method to Russell Martin or not, um, when he mentioned in his press conference, he said he would rather be a little bit more high-octane, I think the term he used, in terms of the way he wants to play the game, rather than you know the sideways kind of pick, try and slowly pick a hole in the opposition. He would rather get at them, win the ball back high, make them panic, take advantage... And, and that sort of stuff. I, I feel like I would enjoy watching that. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, because you know, there, there were quite a few games where the opposition, especially early in the season, remember we played Blackburn and Luton, where the teams were sitting deep on us. And we obviously we had no pace in the team, really. So how can you really get through at that point? And then we got picked off on the break a few times. So you just think that we, to a point, there, there did need to be some change. I mean, we've got to get some pace into the team. I think we said that God knows how many times, haven't we? But also then, the, the risk-taking did need to improve. Another thing we've, we've just discussed, really, haven't we? So it does, the impression I get is that they're things that Duff does value. So, you know, I, I think it it might not be, you know, the possession that we're looking for, but it could be, you know, effective and, like I say, still quite attacking. Possession given with our, a purpose, maybe. Yeah, yeah, it's a I different think, kind of way, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think so. And like I say, I mean, Barnsley scored a lot of goals, didn't they? So, you know, and one of the criticisms of Cooper was that we weren't scoring many, but also... The fact that we probably scored more than we deserved to, based on 
the chances mm-hmm. that we were created, we seemed we to be a lot the, of luck. Didn't we? We, we seemed to be the masters of scoring from our first chance or scoring on the break or against the run of play. And you'd be thinking, well, how the hell have we done that now? You'd almost be scratching your head at it. But I don't think that would be the case with this manager. I think it'd be more of a case of, you know, when we get a chance to put a team under pressure, that's what we'll try and do and try and make it count, really. So, yeah, look, let's, it's, it's going to be an interesting time, as it always is with, you know, when a new man comes in and, you know, what often happens is there'll be some players who were, you know, favourites under the previous regime and there might be one or two that were often on the bench and you might find that flips around mm. a bit now. It's a clean slate. Yeah, There's bound to be a few that will get a chance to shine now and they'll probably take it and you'll see a few that will really benefit from the change and then there'll be a few that will suffer. That's that's football, isn't it? So that'll be quite interesting to see, I think. Well, I think if you're looking at Duff and saying that he likes to play this high octane, let's get at them, let's force a mistake out of them football with very busy attacking front line, um, <clears throat> which, I mean, again, not watch a lot of Barnsley, but having seen the goals they scored, the number of goals they scored, and that's the way he talks about his attacking players playing, it suggests that that's the way we're going down. And bringing in the goalkeeping defensive coach, who was so successful at showing up our backline under the more um, conservative Steve Cooper, and look, I'm not counting my chickens, but that seems like a really nice balance there between getting things right. We talked; He's talked a lot about work off the ball, Michael Duff, and people have <laughs> criticised that, which I find hilarious because I think Russell Martin didn't concern himself with a lot of off the ball work. He was all about on the ball work, which is lovely on paper, but then you lose the ball and we were shocking in transition, constantly getting caught out, players too high up the pitch, and we were on two or three on ones at the back. And like probably five or six examples of that from last season alone, where we were outnumbered on the counter-attack when we had comfortable possession. It's not a bad thing to want to work on your shape and make sure you stop conceding, as we talked about earlier, those silly goals. And Margotson is definitely, as we're going to mention the um, incoming with with, uh, Duff now, but that seems like a nice balance. Well, yeah, I I think so. I mean, let's look back to the the time where the Swansea way first started, if you like. I mean, under Martinez, it was great to watch, brilliant going forward, but at the back, we were quite suspect, even though individually we did have quite good defenders. And I mean, when Souza came in, it showed us up. And the best balance was probably under Brendan Rodgers. If you, if you think that, you know, we were good defensively, but going forward, we were really good as well. We were re- really organised. We scored quite a lot of goals when we went up, but we weren't gifting soft goals as much either. So, you know, I think that that's sort of the balance that you're looking for, really. And look, to be fair, Margotson, as we, we've said, I mean, Look, he's got great pedigree where he's worked previously, the likes of West Ham, Crystal Palace. Obviously, he's been with England for a little while now. Was was uh, with us before, as you've said. Um, and look, under him, we weren't conceding soft goals, were we? I mean, I read an interview we did with Stuart James the other week in The <laughs> Athletic, and, you know, he's not somebody who's really fussed on goalkeepers playing out. And I've got to be honest, I I do think we were going way too far with that. It's all played a bit, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it, it is. Like, I... From my point of view, with the goalkeeper is they send the goalkeeper's got the ball at his feet and he's got a full back to his right or left, and they're in ten yards of space. Now a goalkeeper should be able to play a ten yard pass yeah. simple there. And there's you know if if he can't, that's that's poor, I think. But I don't think when you're all being closed down, that I don't really want a goalkeeper that's going to be playing uh, those type of risky passes. Then the fact is, your goalkeepers are there to save shots and to command their area. I mean, if they're good at those two things and then they're good with their feet. In general, they're going to end up in the Premier League, aren't they? With a top team. I always mention to you, uh, when we talk about this very subject, 
the Claudio Bravo at Manchester City. Yes, possibly exactly. the best goalkeeper at the time with the ball at his feet. Couldn't save a shot. Yeah, he couldn't. What's the point? Like if people wonder why Guardiola, like after the first season, became so successful. It's because he bought Edison. I mean, it's fairly obvious because Bravo literally could not save a shot. He was costing him so many points. He changed the goalkeeper, maybe one or two others. But I, I reckon if they just changed the goalkeeper, they still would have been. Yeah. You know, they still would have won the league probably quite convincingly. So that's the the major thing. So I'm. You know, I think the smart money suggests that Fisher's days are numbered. Certainly, as uh, as first choice, so I'd expect to see somebody come in there. And but, but you need a goalkeeper that can save shots and can command his box. I mean, you know, I know the game has moved on, and someone like Roger Freestone would find it really tough today. Yeah. Even though it was such a good shot stopper, so good at you know taking crosses, taking the pressure off defence. Oh, it was a running joke how bad his kicking was, wasn't it? So you'd yeah, like something touch every time. Yeah, yeah, you would. <laughs> you know, you, you wouldn't want a goalkeeper that's you know like that with his feet, but. I mean, they don't have to be this, you know, brilliant player, you know, playing long passes or anything like that. It's they have to be able to do the basics first and foremost. Because if they don't, you're going to struggle. You're going to keep conceding goals. You're going to undo all your hard work. So, yeah, I look. Margotson is a very shrewd appointment. I think that's that's very encouraging. Um, I'd be amazed if anyone's against that. Well, to be honest, dude, <coughs> point of shoehorning it in now because we've already just discussed them at length. But I mean. Talk about off-field. We, we talked about the on-field issues with staff and numbers and, and players not in the right position and stuff. But you're looking at the off-field appointments we've made so far this summer and they all, uh, as, as they play out and they bear fruition, whatever, they all look like they're strong, positive, ambitious moves from the club. Margerton's another one of those. It is a very ambitious move from the club to bring someone back who's been successful both at international level and with us previously here. It's, it's, it's a bold move, and it's a great move, in my opinion. Well, I mean, to, to get the England goalkeeping coach, I mean, look, much as we don't like England and wish misery on them, mm. they are one of the elite nations for football in the world, aren't they? And if they think he's their, their man as goalkeeping coach, you know, arguably this is a goalkeeping coach that should be in the Premier League. So for us to get him is, you know, it's a real coup. And Steve Cooper did great to get him before, to be fair to him. And, yeah, look, it's it's very encouraging. I mean... Look, I don't want to stick the boot into the previous one. I mean, but, you know, he has to take some responsibility for, you know, what was going on and the fact that we were so good previously defensively and the goalkeeper was good to the change that we've had the last two years. So you've got to think that Margotson is an upgrade on Dean Thornton. Um, so, look, I, I think it's, it's encouraging, isn't it? I mean, not as ever. The, we'll soon see, and, you know, yeah. be, there's going to be a change. I don't think we're going to see goalkeepers playing out as much as we. I, I think that would be quite a big shock but I mean at the same time I I think Fisher's finished um, you know because arguably that was the main thing that he has even though I don't think he's amazing with his feet but we all know when it comes to shot stopping and commanding a box there's nowhere near good enough and um, yeah I'm pretty sure that this goalkeeping course will work that out quickly and there'll be a change Is it possible we'll also see a change in um, the formation I mean uh, we've brought in uh, a winger, which is we may winger come forward, so he might play in a couple of positions, um, and we'll go on to the transfers in a bit. But we've also brought in a wing back, so there's areas of this team which are, <laughs> and those are the two big ones, aren't they? Wing uh, at the full back position slash wing back positions, or indeed on the wing, um, this team's been bereft of ideas for a few years now. Yeah, I think Duff has seemed to favour like a three-five-two at Barnsley, so that's quite interesting. I mean. You know, so that indicates very similar to what we've been doing, except for, you know, it's it's two up front. I know, obviously, at the end of last season, we were doing mm. two up front, but mm. 
it was a, a 4-4-2 diamond really wasn't it but I mean look to bring in a, a right wing back has been as critical I think we've been all been calling for that for you know a year haven't we since Cyrus Christie um, moved on after his loan spell from Fulham so I mean that was vital um, so that gives us the wing back option providing you know someone comes in on the other side I think that's our top priority now but I mean Ginnelly obviously coming from Hearts um, yeah a winger with pace that can also play up front I mean so that does give you options, really, doesn't it? But obviously, he's already got injured, hasn't he? Um, so, yeah, that that obviously that might change things. And we're going to have to discuss this number 11. Well, we'll we? do that in just a second. We're going to do that. Let's wrap up the Duff thing and we're going to come on to it because it, it's something that someone, someone needs to flag this up. Um, maybe there's someone associated around the club who, who, who likes listening to Swan's podcast and maybe can bring this up because... Um, we'll finish the Duff thing. I mean, he's joined from Barnsley with a fee around about 500k. He brings with him his assistant Steve Martin Patterson and Alan Sheehan, um, as managers often do. Um, they like people alongside them as well who share their ideas and share their thoughts. That was something that Russell Martin struggled a little bit with. He lost a few people around him, didn't he, early doors here. Um, it'd be good to see a little bit of continuity at the bench there and some shared ideas and shared thoughts going forward because, I mean, he's been successful in the past. Yeah, I think it's, it's always important that um, you know a manager does have trusted people with him. I mean, there's no reason why, in some ways, they can't work with people at the club. I mean, O'Leary, we're assuming, is still going to be involved with the first team, and mm. obviously, you know, he was promoted when Luke Williams left with Martin's uh, backroom team. Obviously, Steve Cooper brought in Alan Tate, didn't he? I think that wasn't the plan, maybe initially, but. Tate did end up working with him quite closely and obviously... And then Russell Martin got rid of him. <laughs> yeah, he did. And well, obviously then Tate has gone to Forest with Cooper. So, yeah, you know, um, yeah, there's, I think a, a blend is always quite good. I think it's always good to have someone maybe previously who's involved just because they can, you know, this, I know this, the famous saying, knows the club and all that. But if, uh-huh. if, a, if a coach does know the players, certainly in the early stages, I mean, like I know Tate did leave with Martin, but you've got to think that in those first few weeks... Tate being there is surely an advantage, really, because even if you you don't want him taking the sessions, you can just pick his brains on on certain players, can't you? I know, I, like I said, I know that this knows the club thing is just gets taken too far, doesn't it? Like Lampard got oh, the Chelsea job, that's, that's the, ultimate, the, the it? obvious one. Yeah, he got the job, and obviously the results were crap. Over Nagelsmann and stuff. Yeah, he, yeah, he, you know, and there was still no criticism of him, even though the results were worse. And you're just thinking, well, like I don't mind. That you don't want to stick the boot in, but Porter took dogs boots, which is annoying. But look, I think I don't think O'Leary was never going to go to Southampton, was he? Let's be realistic about this. I mean, but O'Leary, does, do you reckon O'Leary might know Duff? I was thinking about this because do you remember he had a loan spell, doesn't he, at Chatham? I don't know if Duff was still there at that point, but obviously it was only a few weeks, wasn't it? So yeah, you know, they, but they, it hasn't been alluded to, but there could be some sort of a you know minor relationship there between them where they've had dealings with each other. So. You know, but like O'Leary was never going to go. I think if O'Leary was to, you know, Duff decided he didn't want him with the first team, you know, he's not going to go to Southampton. He's just going to take another job in the background, another thought, isn't he? So, you know, but like a manager needs people around him that he can he can trust, in he? And that's that's why Martin has taken just about everybody with him, isn't he? Yeah, that's right. And you talk about previous relationships and stuff like that, and working with people that you worked with before. One of the players that has worked with. Uh, Michael Duff before is uh, one of the signings. We're going to come on to um, the other signings, but we'll just go on to the first the first man to come through the door. Uh, Josh Ginelli uh, comes from Hearts 
on a free. Uh, worked with um, Michael Duff at uh, Burnley when he was there, and um, he was very young at the time when he said Michael Duff had a few harsh words to say to him, but the way he conducted himself. So he's grown up since then, but he was very happy to reunite himself with the new Swans manager. Um, and certainly from, I mean, it's very um, misleading a YouTube highlight reel, but certainly looks on that alone to tick a few of the boxes. You mentioned a lack of pace. You mentioned, um, you know, that lack of attacking instinct when you get to the final third. And this man seems to want to take those risks and uh, get at teams and, and bring, a bit of, uh, bring a bit of speed to his game as well. Yeah, exactly. I think their attributes have been crying out for, aren't they, for you know a period of time. So, you know, I, th- I think it was it was a good, smart move really to identify someone that can that does that can do something different for us. And you know, this the snail's pace of our team has dominated in for you know a long period now. So, an injection of pace has been something we've been crying out for. I mean, you know, I think Oberfemi obviously left in the transfer window. He was the only player at the club at the time that had any sort of pace. So yeah. then, as much as I was glad to see the back of him, because we just felt that he had to go, obviously. Like, he did have that one attribute that we were crying out for. So, you know, it's, it's good that we've brought someone in like that already. Um, but, like I say, I mean, he's already injured, isn't he? So, well, let's do it then. Let's talk about this number 11, because you've written articles on this a few years ago. And it is a case of, it's an ongoing theme. I can't remember the last time we've had a successful number 11. Players have come with big... Uh, reputations and put that number 11 shirt on that stinker at you and it is one way or the other it appears to you know where I think it started right um, I, I think it started when we left the Vetch because you look at it like this right Adrian Forbes had the number 11 the last year at the Vetch yeah. and obviously he, he did well Forbes he and, played a lot yeah he did and the, you know what I'm going to say obviously the key thing the last league goal at the Vetch and a 1-0 win that was crucial yeah. the following week 1-0 winner at Barry. We're in promotion. Five, favorite. Yeah, five five thousand of us up there. The keeper gets arrested. Mass pitch invasion. One of the great away days. As yeah. everyone listening that was there will, I'm sure, testify. Now I remember the early in the next season, Forbes was still in the team, and I went to Huddersfield and we lost. We ended up with nine men. Ref was crap. Their manager was Peter Jackson, a massive twat. Oh, what a prick. Um, yeah, I wouldn't dispute that at all. Um, and Forbes ended up going off injured. And I remember from that point, Leon had his place on the right wing. Forbes never got it back and got released at the end of the season, which nobody really would have seen coming, you know, at the start of the season, I would have thought. So, yeah, that happened. The next person to take it was Rory Fallon, who did nothing in the, pre- the, the previous year when he had a different number. Um, and it didn't change, really, did it? So I suppose you can't say so much for that, but... Still, it didn't. But again, a, a, it didn't work out, did it? No, no. And a player that came with a reputation that was yes. going to do something and was an absolutely shocking, uh, you know, appointment yeah. about signing. Yeah. Well, the how did we make? How did we get our money back on Rory Fatner with it? That was Ian Holloway, wasn't it? Who yeah. Back for like three hundred k or whatever. I know. But the truth is, though, right, was Fatner, right? Fatner. As much as we're all on his case here, I think he did score fourteen goals in the year that he was with us. I don't but, believe that. No, no. That's, <laughs> no but the thing is, that's not a bad total. What I noticed about Fallon was a lot of his goals would be when we won the lap, he'd score the second. Not thinking, important ones. We never score, we need, and he'd miss a sit of them, and he'd oh. won the time. And you think, Rory, stick it in, mate. Um, but yeah, he went. His replacement, Pavel Abbott. Now, this is a classic, isn't it? He, oh, he, he scored, scored two against scored, us. Yeah, a few weeks earlier, he scored twice against mm. us to go from 2 1 down to 3 3 2 up for Huddersfield. Yeah. Um, and then he comes to us, he only scored once. Off he goes. Daryl Duffy. Now, this is oh, a, good a good loan spell. Yes, before in a, we say Yes, in a different number. Takes a lap, fucked. Um, 
Mark Gower, and it's quite funny with Mark Gower because he took it. He didn't score for you, and then he went right. I'm done with number eleven. Well, didn't did he? you know he's he yeah. saw it. He yeah. saw it. Yeah, because it was obviously mentioned at that point. And then I think Van de Gun had it for two years. Obviously, he didn't do anything, did he? No. Um, then this encyclopedic knowledge of the players is really impressive. Yeah, because I've gone through it loads of times. Um, and again, now this is a good one that proves the point. Scott Sinclair. Because he didn't wear number 11 the year that he went up. You're right. And was on fire. Was it 21 or something like that? 21, yeah. Yeah. So we've then gone, he's taken 11. And I know we, I wouldn't say Sinclair was awful in the Prem, but he didn't excel in the way that someone like Nathan Dyer did, did he? You're absolutely right. So, you know, I think again, when when Sinclair left the game, I was too disappointed, I think. No. But everyone would still acknowledge that he did a great job for us, which he obviously did when they got up without him. Um, So Hernandez then took 11, didn't he? The record signing. I'm not saying he didn't do well, but Hernandez, for me, didn't do as well as what he could have done. When did he take it? When he joined? When he joined. Because I find that Hernandez was, in, in a similar vein, and this will never, ever be repeated in the same context. Do you remember when Johnny Coates played for us and he had about t- 10 rubbish years <laughs> at a terrible level for us? Yeah. And then he had his one decent year and then got released. And you were just thinking, what, how have we kept him all these years? And the one time he looks really good, now we've got rid of him. And I felt really bad at the end. That's um, really like putting down John Coates' career. He did have flashes of brilliance, but obviously just a little bit too few and far between. Now, Pablo Hernandez... For a large part of his time here, he didn't quite achieve the heights. He was injured a lot. Yeah, I, I was found. Say he was injured a lot, and and he never really found the heights. So obviously, he was at Valencia and stuff before. And you thought, well, this is going to be the sort of sign that lights up the Premier League. And then when Gary Monk took over, he actually seemed to play almost moved, every week. Didn't got he? moved to attend, didn't he? And he um, was, he and he was impressive then. Oh, he was really good. Really, really good. Um, and we got rid of him at the end of the season. Well, I think, the, I think the truth is that he wanted to go, didn't he? So, okay. you know, because he went to... Did he go to Qatar? He went somewhere like that, didn't he? Which is disappointing. We got rid of a lot of Spaniards at the end of that season, didn't we? Yeah, but I think... I do think Monk wanted to keep him, but... And obviously Monk took him to Leeds then, of course, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. So obviously there's still true. a relationship there between them, but I, you'd have to say Hernandez's his swan's career didn't really take off in the way that it could have done. Like, at Leeds, he's a hero, isn't he? Like, they love him there. Yeah. But I don't, don't think he did as... I think he did better for them than he did for us. But, look, I mean... We ended up, we got rid of him and we brought in another player who played in number 10 now at the end, didn't we? I'm not sure I can mention his name, but he has, you know, <laughs> people know who I'm talking about. He might be going to DC United is what we said. But anyway, after that, Marvin Emnes took the number and he had it for three years, but that didn't work really either, did it? He didn't play much. No. Various loan spells and stuff. So, okay, so there was that. Then <laughs> Narsing took it then. Oh, God. And he was, he was crap, wasn't he? You know, he was, you know, he was useless. The, 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 the funny thing I found about Narsing was when he joined us, he had the most goals and assists over the past four or five years yeah. in the Eredivisie. And I thought, well, yeah, because everyone who's decent after he's a year in Eredivisie leaves Eredivisie. And uh, he's obviously stayed yeah. there because he's not been deemed good But it's a bit like the second tier podcasts have been doing their top 20 championship players, uh-huh. haven't they? And, you know, like... Yeah, well, I'm not wait, Whittingham won that. But yeah, he spent but, all his career pretty much, well, apart from a few years, in the championship. Yes, yeah, so that's that's the issue in it. Whereas yeah. I would say the best player in the championship would probably be Adele Tarab. He was based kind of, on what yeah. I saw that that one year. The guy was genuinely unbelievable. But I think they do did remember put that him four in the top game. Well, yes, I do. So <laughs> I was there. <laughs> and I just remember watching it and I said, "This is horrible because this guy's on another level." But yeah, that's that's yeah. the point. Like Narsing was 
had those stats because no, he wasn't good enough to be bought by someone yeah. else. But yeah, look, he was crap. And then you'd have to say then after that, right, there's two proper curses here because it was number 11 was given to Morgan Gibbs-White. Now, when we signed him, yeah. I was delighted. Yeah. I'd seen clips of him on match of the day playing for Wolves and I just thought, God, this is a young player who's really got something. I for a pass, he's got a goal in him. I thought it was a great signing. He only played six games for us. Played a lot before and, and a lot since. Yeah, and got not, injured. And not for us. In yeah, fact, he when did. he came back from us, he yeah. got recalled. Got recalled and didn't play. And you just think, that's, that's very unlucky. And I think, I feel sorry for the player in that instance because I don't think he did a lot wrong. So. And I know Raheem and his girlfriend didn't want to leave. Either, no, did they? no, they didn't. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a real shame, I think, Gibbs White. But, yeah, bloody number 11 again. So, obviously, when he got recalled, Jordan Morris got given number 11. Oh, my and God. And that went even worse, didn't it? Because he ended up playing about two or three games. He did his cruciates, Yeah, and then he? did his, did his And he looked really good. I yeah, thought he was I really promising. Again, yeah, I think he had something. We'd have gone up, probably, if he didn't get injured. Yeah, we might have done. He was the missing piece, yeah, I think. But I, but in, literally, you've got two there in the same season. That unbelievable. Would be unbelievably cursed. Unbelievable. Yeah, um, so, yeah, and then I think under Martin, didn't Whitaker have it? He didn't have it last year, did he? But I think Whitaker had it. Um, and yeah, he just got farmed out, didn't he? And didn't yeah. get picked. So, yeah, there's another one. And, and no. I don't think anybody else had it last year, from what I, I remember. I don't think they did. And now Ginnelly's got he's got injured in, like in the first couple of days of pre-season. Yeah, and it's a bad one apparently. Yeah, it is yeah, meant to be. So I've gone through that. I don't know, I'm not counting, but we're so in double, double figures. figures. We're talking double figures. Right? Be, and that's just since we moved from the vet. And it's, it seems to be, I don't think you've picked out any in there where you've gone as there's an no exception. Anomalies. There's no, like, there's no, no exceptions there. Everyone's failed. Like the, the only one, like the best one is, has to be Hernandez, I would have thought. Yeah, he's the one be. that probably is the least yeah. least of a shock factor on it. But, but but even then, like you'd say during that period where it was like him, Routledge and Dyer, the other two contributed more to our success than he did, wouldn't it? Yeah, 100%. So, so there you so go. So if again, anyone, it's not great. If anyone from the club is listening, or anyone who knows anyone yeah. from the club is listening, just change his number now. He'll be a superstar, but just change his number now, explain the reasons... Give him number 13, whatever, just don't well, give him look, number 11. There's two scenarios here. If, you have, if you're not allowed to miss out number 11 and retire it, okay, give it to Fisher. <laughs> He's already crap. So uh, we'll, you know, we'll two negative things, you a superstar then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Might, might change it. No, uh, it's an absolutely fascinating point. And do you know what? You can scoff at it, and I know a lot, a lot of people will scoff at it, uh, what we've just talked about. But at what point are we going to look at it and go, okay, it might just be a freakish coincidence, but we can... Right, I don't... Here's another example. I don't consider myself superstitious, but if I can avoid walking under a ladder, then I will, because I just think, well, it's not worth taking the risk. In this case, is it really worth taking the risk of putting your good players as number 11 if consistently, even if there's no tangible link, they are failing 10 plus players in the well, last not, 15 years? A few of them have had injuries as well, haven't they? Yeah, so bad like, injuries. Yeah, like, well, I think... The club genuinely do need to be made aware of it. Now, I am one of them when it comes to football. I am a bit superstitious, I must admit. And, but this is a superstition on another level for me. Yeah. Like, you can't, like, honestly... Just don't, don't, just don't give it Just don't give anyone. anyone a number 11. Like, yeah. Because it's not helping. For whatever reason, there's a curse on that number. It's, it's, you know? it's a shocking uh, you know, We need that mentalist lead chairman. Do you remember he thinks that number 17 is... Um, superstitious didn't he right. so he wouldn't have a number 17 he tried to make every seat at Ellen Road 16B yeah. the guy was absolutely <laughs> bonkers but like, I wouldn't go that far with it but number 11 has got a you know I don't want to see the number 11 ever again and uh, Josh Kennelly if you do get wind of this podcast will probably agree 
exactly with that because he yeah. probably he's coming to a club, he's trying to impress an old friend, and he's coming first or second day of training out injured for a lengthy period yeah. of time. And he's probably he seen the number that. 11 available and gone, well, that's a good number for a winger or well, something like that, which obviously number. it is. I wouldn't dispute it. Needs but in this club, not ever. Do you know what they need? What? Someone who knows the club. <laughs> they need someone who knows the club yeah, who can yeah, tell him. That's a good point. Oh, yeah, this is, this, is, <laughs> this is why you need it. Um, moving on from that absolutely catastrophic run of uh, number 11s. Uh, next signing to come in, Josh Key from Exeter. Uh, that will be settled by Tribunal. We're going to be spending a, few t- a bit of time in Tribunals because we've got to sort out the Russell Martin thing as well, haven't we? But um, Josh Key comes in. Uh, we did actually try and buy him without having to go to Tribunal, probably trying to save a few quid there. But we'll see. I don't think it's going to be um, astronomical figures anyway uh, coming there. But uh, a player that the club of almost openly admired for a few years now and we finally got our man. Yeah, it sounds like it and we have been linked to them previously so, yeah, look, as I said earlier, we're crying out for a player in that position so to get one in is um, is great. Um, you know, I think bringing in younger players from the lower divisions that have, you know, excelled and are then looking to sort of better themselves is, is certainly a good way to, to go about it. Certainly better than, you know, bringing in, um, you know, how can I put it? A very experienced player on a, a lot of money. <laughs> uh, might be high profile. Um, Those previous clubs fans can't wait to see the back of him. Oh, yeah, there's um, no coincidence there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think this is certainly the, the way in general to to go about things. So I'm I'm quite encouraged by it. And obviously if he does well, then you know we could arguably make, you know, a profit on him ourselves. And of course he means to do well for us. So yeah, I, I think that's that's a smart bit of business and um yeah, look, it fills a very gaping hole, doesn't it? That, that uh, latter Baudier seemed to fill far too often last season. Yeah, um, I'm still not saying on what's going to happen there as we record this. It might change by the time you listen to it. But um, yeah, I'm glad to see that certain areas are being identified and I expect recruitment to carry on in a similar vein um, next week um, and in the weeks leading up to the start of the season where we target the areas... We desperately need players, and um, you know we've done that so far. I mean, the first two signings we discussed are, um, are, are excuse the pun, key to that in terms of what we need. Um, he already looks to be settling in well. He's, he's uh, getting forward in in the preseason games and getting in uh, into the box and creating chances. He's very direct um, from what I've seen, and um, likes to attack the, the, the opposition fullback. So it's the sort of traits which. We need to see. I mean, we saw sort of sort of things on the other side. We lacked badly on the right side. We're hoping that you know wherever Josh Key ends up playing, he can carry on that and continue doing that because it is massive to the way we want to play. And if the same, Michael Duff wants to play on the front foot and pressure teams higher, someone like Josh Key um, will be in, you know integral to those plans. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I agree with everything you said there, really. So, yeah, I think it's. It, what I'm liking at the moment is we seem to be a bit more proactive in the transfer market. Like, I quite like the fact that Ginley's come in like on a free and arguably key is. This, I know it's a tribunal on it, but you know, essentially we've signed an out of contract player who others are going to want. So, yeah. What what I haven't liked the last couple of years is that we've you know it's been last minute and like these type of players. If you wait last minute, they've already gone. They've they've made their their move elsewhere. Well, you're left with the scraps then, aren't you? Yeah, yes, you are. And I feel as if that's not really the case now. So there's, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the, the free transfer market is, you know, you can really make that work if you're proactive enough and, you know, you're you're pursuing the right people. There's always good free transfers out there. I mean, we 
we had players that have that have gone. Obviously, I mean, from Southampton's point of view, they'll look upon Manning as someone that's one of the best left backs in the league, and they've managed to get him on a free. I mean, from their point of view, that'd be really good business, and there's no reason why you know we shouldn't be doing the equivalent type of things where you know Key has now come in and getting Elias as well. They're both going to be you know effectively their players out of contract, and you know I'm I feel you know a bit more optimistic that there's there's a plan here for once as opposed to what's gone on previously where like I say. Some players came in last minute, last time, and you know again Martin was left without the right wing back, which obviously when is not going to be the case now because Key has come in. So yeah, it just it, it feels like we're you know we're in better shape, aren't we? Yeah, and um, those sorts of signings are what I would call the the smart signings. They're available on a free. You can get them a lot less, a lot cheaper than you would have had to if they were under contract and. Um, they will add something to the matchday squad and indeed play a lot of games in the first team. So you'll see in that and think, well, they're no-brainers. Um, the marquee signing so far in this window uh, arrived uh, the latest of the three. And um, this one really impressed me because um, the more I learn about this guy, the more I think not only is he a fantastic player and got fantastic skill set about him, but also he seems to tick. Without actually playing in Michael Duff's league last year, he seems to be the quintessential Michael Duff player, the one he's looking for. That suggests to me that Jerry Yates was signed with a, with a scouting team in mind, a sort of player that fit the profile, and said, you want someone who's going to work hard up front, who's going to chase the balls, who's going to um, bring others into play and stuff like that, and here's your guy. And to, to bring him in um, for what is reportedly uh, around £2.5 million from Blackpool seems really smart business. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like I said, he's had rave reviews. All, all, every Blackpool fan online seems to be singing his praises and doesn't really bear a grudge on him leaving. I mean, mm. got 14 goals in what was a poor side last year. Let's be realistic about this. I mean, they've, they've, they were relegated and, you know, they, they weren't really close to surviving. Well, they, they were down with a couple to go. So, yeah, I think this that is a really encouraging move. And look, I'm sure we'll come on to talk about Perot, but there's no guarantee he's going to be here, is there? So, you know, this... It, it just gives you the, the hope that if he was to leave, that we've got um, a decent player um, now that we've brought in up front to, to lead the line, really. So and does, that's, that's vital. Does he replace Perot for you or Buffemi? Well, this is the tough thing. I do think if Perot goes, someone else might come in. Mm. But it's just the, you know, you could have seen the, the, the previous situation before, you know, the new investors came in that Perot might go late on. We haven't signed anyone and then uh -huh. he left with Cullen. And but that's and also what, what you're left with then is some Perot money and then you're trying to plead poverty to other clubs saying yeah. we need a striker, he's worth three million and they'll go, not now he's not. Yeah. You want to play talking upwards of five now if you want to take him this late on. Yeah, and that, because that's the other thing, isn't it? The later in the day and you're desperate, I mean, arguably then you have to overpay in certain instances to yeah. get what you want because clubs don't want to sell late on. So not you know, we, we've not really tracked ourselves so much into that, that situation now by doing this deal. So... Yeah, I think again, it's, it's what we needed, and we, we definitely needed to bring another striker in, and you know we will need to bring another one in if Perot was to go. But yeah, we're we're quite surely but sure, slowly but surely, we're 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 you know we're identifying the issues in the team, and we're bringing those players in. We still need more, but it's you know we're on it's the right start. track, aren't we? It's a good start, I think. I'd like to see. Um, it would be a good week next week if we manage to bring in a couple more. Um, there's one rumoured uh, to be close to completion, Steve. That's the goalkeeper, uh, Carl Rushworth, a Brighton youngster. Um, he's one 
that is the latest perhaps being linked to the club. And and again, it's a it's a it's a tick in a box that we would have said at the start of the summer, that's an area we need to look at. So again, it's a positive, proactive move in the transfer market, not leaving us with gaping holes, which we've done previously. Yeah, exactly. Um you know, I think if Bender was fit, you could argue that we wouldn't be desperate for a goalkeeper no. then, but because he's not, like we we are completely desperate. I mean, you know, everyone knows my feelings on Fisher. He can't <laughs> play. It's as simple as that. So, you know, I'm assuming that this link would have come from Margotson, who's obviously works with uh, the England setup, so he will know who all the goalkeepers are. So, mm. yeah, um, you know, I would assume that this goalkeeper's coming into play. So, yeah, and then, you know, I think Bender is a little way off. So, you know, I could certainly see this Rushworth playing if he comes in for the first half of the year, and then they, you know, that might change. Um, you know, once the transfer window opens, if Bender's fit, maybe he'll go back and go elsewhere, and and Bender will be in the team. I don't know, but look, we it's again as I've said, it's an an area that we need to bring somebody in, and we need to bring a starter in. So sounds like that's what we're doing. So yeah, all for it. In as part of the Jerry Yates deal, uh, or not as part of it as it may be. I know part player exchanges are, seem to be terrible to to structure in football. This is a perhaps a separate deal. Is Carl Joseph who's gone the other way, undisclosed fee. Um, he spent uh, a couple of years here, Steve. It never really got a shot at the first team. He played in a couple of cup games and always actually seemed lively and impressive when he did play. But um, whether he's deemed surplus to requirements or whether it was part of the sweetener to get us Jerry Yates, um, he's no longer a swan. No. Um, I suppose this is a tricky one because we haven't seen a great deal of him, obviously, I think. You know, in his loan spells, he'd done okay, maybe not amazing. I think what was frustrating was, if you remember, he was at Cheltenham, wasn't he? And obviously Duff would have known him from there. But then we recalled him, didn't we? Yeah. And he didn't get picked. And you're thinking, well, why would you do that? We need, you know, players... We've done that since as well. well, well yeah, we've I mean, you know, I, no, no, one's, no one's gained anything from that. So, you know, I, I think that Joseph really needs to play. That, that's the simple truth of it. And I think, you know, that wasn't going to be here this season. So... I think he did need to either go out on loan or, you know, he needed to be sold. And, you know, the decision's been made to sell him. I mean, to be fair, to, you know, our manager would have had an opinion on him previously because he's, he's worked with him at Cheltenham. So, you know, I'm assuming he sanctioned the deal because he feels like he's not up to this level. So, yeah, you know, I think we have to, to trust that. There's I mean, not many people better in the game to assess someone's ability to come in as a new manager than someone yeah. who's actually coincidentally worked with him previously. Yeah, exactly. So, look, I'm, I wouldn't have been against Joseph going out on loan again, but this, for me, this would have been the last time that it could have happened. I think it would have been a case of this time next year then. Well, he's got two years left. Well, yeah. he had two years left, didn't yes. he? So he couldn't go out on loan. Yeah. But, but I also think, but you, you know, what is he now, 22, is he? Yeah, he's around the early 20s. 21, 22. Yeah. But also, you're thinking, when you get to about that point, there's certainly another year down the line, and you're not in the team, like, had, when does potential like have to be realised, if you know what I mean? If, by then, surely you've got to be doing it. We've had this conversation, in fact, with our friends, and we, and we talked about the Liam Cullen situation many years now, where we've talked about Liam Cullen, where he should have gone out before, we kept around the fringes and stuff. As it happens, he's really stepped up last year, in my opinion, and proven he can score goals at this level. Yes, of, but it was now or never, really, wasn't well, it? Absolutely. I mean, he's, he's now getting to the time of his career where he, he needs to be um, someone's front man, you know, and, 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 and he may well get that game time. He's lucky, he may well not. 
You know, yeah. he, but that was the great start, wasn't it? He's old. He was the older, older striker. He's older incredible. than Perot and Obafemi, and he just doesn't carry himself like that because yeah. he's a Swansea Academy product. Where you look at it and you think, oh, he's a he's a young local boy come good. Well, actually, he's been here for so long. It was the old Kenji Gora thing where he just thought, I think so. Yeah, he's exactly. been here for so long. You know, I think what the lawyer is doing COVID that Callum didn't go out on loan at that point. I mean, from what I can gather, the player himself did want to go out on loan. I think somewhere like Newport would have been ideal. Yeah. At that point, it, it didn't happen, obviously. So, you know, but look, Cullen is obviously involved now. And you have to say, he is a first-team player. He's not someone yeah. that's going to get sold, I wouldn't have thought. So, yeah, look, Joseph's in a similar boat, as you say. I mean, he needs to play, but arguably a move to League One permanently now where they've sold their star striker to him. And obviously, he was at Wigan before, so I think he must be from that area. Looks like for him, like a great move. So well, he has a good year there. Now he could be back in the championship next year. He could, know? but it's made the thing. You know, he'll play, he'll, he'll play won't he? So as far as I'm concerned, good luck to him. I mean, yeah. his tweet there suggested that he was frustrated that things didn't work out here, but he wished as well. And uh-huh. you know, it seemed like a player that was you know a decent guy that didn't really get you know a chance, and you know that maybe just wasn't quite good enough. But now he's going somewhere where we all think he'll play, and you know, good luck to the guy. And I'm assuming there's a sell on clause. So if he does do well, there could still be um, a little benefit for us further down the line. Yeah, yeah. I'm not... Um, I mean, there's some question marks about whether we got rid of a youngster and we brought in Jerry Yates, who's perhaps coming into his primary career, but that doesn't concern me. Paul Watson said in one of his first interviews since he joined the club um, that he's not naive enough to think he can just fill this club with promising youngsters and expect to get the sort of success that the club are looking to achieve. Now, we need... And and I think a couple of people, maybe a few people, have looked at that and not really understood or not really got the grasp of what um, Watson's saying. You, I know the old Alan Hansen thing that came back to bite him. You don't win anything with kids, but to an extent, you do need players with a little bit of experience because the championship is grueling. And you you you, you know you look at some of the um, runs of fixtures we had last season where we had Tuesday. Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday and all over the country for us as well and you look at it and you think actually you need a couple of people who are experienced in, in, in that kind of those sorts of fixture lists and stuff like that because and we're going to need a squad to play with it as well and I think certain, certain signings we've made so far Steve they've been smart they've not all been targeting down one way of playing we've not looked at just we're only going to bring in youngsters or we're only going to bring in experienced players there's a nice fluid mix and I think you you know realistically we need that. Yeah, and I think you know certainly Ginley and and Yates. I mean, they're players that are coming into their prime. Which yeah. you know, like I say, I think you do need a blend to a point. It's always good to have young players. I think, and obviously, a club like us arguably does need to have some younger players that you look at and go, right. Well, if we can improve them and work with them, yeah, players we can make money on because it is a business at the end of the day. But I think it's always good to have some experienced players. That's why you know I was so pleased when Joe Allen came back. I know it hasn't worked yet, but. I haven't given up hope on it. I certainly think that with a good pre-season under his belt, if he can stay fit ability-wise, he'd be fine. I mean, I'm not saying he can play every game, but look, I think Joe is still more than good enough for us. You know, I think with Norton, it maybe is a little bit different. I think I'm a bit surprised they've kept him. But look, I think every squad needs a blend, doesn't it? I think, and um, you know, that's it does feel like we've got some more players now who are maybe coming into their peak years, which I think we haven't had as much. There's been a lot of youngsters and then, Know, topped up by a couple of more experienced players, but um, you know we'll, we'll let's see what what else comes through the door now, and you know if any others leave really. So well, that's the next question for you. Really, is what do you think will happen in the coming weeks? Because there's a few players you'd expect will be refilled in bids for, 
um, and, and, and seeing where the money goes. Let's talk about the big one is um, Joe Perot. It's closely followed by what we'd expect Matt Grimes to be uh, get caught in some interest as well, particularly from um, Russell Martin. So we're looking at the way um, the club is shaping itself on incomings. We also have to future-proof ourselves as well, don't we? Yeah, we do. I mean, look, I think Perot is probably going to go I think, realistically. I mean, look, he might still be here at the start of the season. Might still play the first couple of games or something, but look, I think we also have to be realistic here. Do we want Perot to stay and then go on a free? I mean, if I'm honest, I don't really want that. I think if if you do that and you win promotion, it's a different ball game yeah. and he might stay. But I think we also have to be realistic that this year looks quite tough, and I don't think that's going to happen. So I think ideally Perot needs to needs to go. I think hopefully we'll get a good offer and we need to try and. You know, use some of that money to replace him, and then use the rest of it to sort of plug, you know, the gap in the finances. So, you know, I, I know it's a frustrating way of looking at it, but that's football. We have to be realistic. I mean, and there were times last year where Perot wasn't great. I mean, let's be honest about it. I mean, he looked lethargic in some games, and he he did my head in, but he did seem to come into his own more at the end of the season. Now the cynic in me wonders if the transfer window about to reopen, did he come alive again, thinking well I can get a little move here? So, look. um, I'm not too against Perot going. I think it would obviously we, you know, I think if we could have the best version of Perot and he'd sign a new contract, it's a different ball game. But I just don't think that's going to happen. I mean, we tried to discuss a new deal with him last summer and there was none of it. So, you know, I think he's got his heart set on going elsewhere, isn't he? Yeah, it's a tough one with Perot because obviously it depends on how financially capable we are of conducting our business with or without the money that would come in for him. Um, and if we were able to build a strong squad, and obviously tempering with this with the fact that I completely agree with you, this championship season is probably, for my, for my money, going to be the strongest that we have competed in um, this before promotion and, and, and since. I think this is going to be a, a grueling season for a lot of clubs. There's a lot of talent and also a lot of business being done, smart business by a lot of clubs. So I think it's no one's left resting on their laurels. We've had to make these signings just to tread water, really, but... Um, for me with Perot there's a limit and I don't want us to be found you know, with our pants pulled down on the situation with, with Perot is everyone knows he's going into his final year but so was Victor Gokeres at Coventry and you look at that and you think right if they manage to get a 20 million euro or 20 million pound um, from sport in Lisbon we need to set our stall accordingly we've been known too often as this lightweight kind of pushover sort of club to deal with useless at buying players drag clubs along and then not complete the signing. We know this from people who've talked about us conducting our business previously. Um, but we've got new people dealing with that now at the top and um, they've talked a good game, at least so far, haven't they? And I think anyone who bids six or seven million for Perot, I would hope would be quickly rejected. And I think we need to be looking at double figures for him, in my opinion, to weigh up the loss of 20 goals or 41, 42 goals in the past two years. That's a lot of goals to replace. And strikers don't come cheap. And ones who know the back of the net is don't in, in, indeed. So we need to find um, the right balance between making sure we don't have a Brereton Diaz situation that, that, that Blackburn found themselves in, but also not be that club that gets scammed every time a player's running low and we take the last bid on deadline day. Yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely a balance in there. I mean, like it'll be interesting to see what does happen. I mean, it, you know, it's the first big test for the ownership in terms of transfers, isn't it? 
like since new people have, have changed because as you said we've we've caved on deadline day accepted terrible deals and um you know let's be honest about it it's, it's wound us all up and we've been crying out for change it feels like you know there's there might be a change now and um you know the proof will be in the pudding will it so yeah fingers crossed look we if we can get towards 15 million for him, I think we've got to That would be, be quite, outstanding business. It, it would be, wouldn't it? I mean... But I'm not saying that. I mean, yeah. that's where his market value should be because yeah. we look at Ellis Sims, silly money to Coventry. We look at Gokeres, silly money to Sport in Lisbon. And there is a benchmark at the moment where people are yeah. looking for what is... Look, we looked last season, he far exceeded ex- uh, expected goals. And I think a lot of clubs, Leicester were interested last year, of course, may have looked at that and thought... This might be a flash in the pan. This guy clearly isn't getting the chances, but he's sticking them away. Maybe next year we'll we'll suffer and we'll both have done. Yeah. So they worried about that one year, uh, golden year that ten, tends to happen once in someone's career. Um, but he's followed that up with a season where he's not necessarily hit the spectacular goals which we saw in his first year. Steve, I don't remember so many last year where he was pinging them from 25 yards top corner that he did in the first year, but still hitting... 20 and, and you're looking at thinking so those fears should be allayed now for the likes of the Leicesters and yeah. whatnot. There were more strikers goals weren't there I think yeah. I can remember Sunderland there was one from about a yard for example and I think just you know there were he definitely didn't shine as much and I can remember just off the top of my head there was two goals where he well Cullen goals where he hit the post and Cullen followed in so yeah. he could have had three or four more of those very quintessential striker yeah. goals and if you remember earlier in the season he was missing a lot of chances wasn't he yeah hell of a lot so you know there could have been easily been more goals from him I think but like if, you know I, like I said I didn't think he had a vintage season but he still got 20 goals so you know that, that does say a lot really and, and he's um, young yeah, he is. Look, he's, he's going to get better, isn't he? So, yeah, I think, well, you know, we, we'd like to keep him when we, you know, you never want to get rid of your crown jewels. But, yeah, I think the, the chances are he's going to go. So, you know, we're, we're going to need a replacement, aren't we? I mean, where oh, yeah. comes from, I don't know. But we are going to, I'm sure we're looking. I certainly hope we are. Um, you know, that, you know, react. And if he's going to go, realistically, I hope he does go as soon as possible because, it means there's more, you know, players available at that point, rather than you getting late on and you know the availability's less there, isn't it? And I hope, sort of stuff. I hope those conversations are being had if they are happening behind the scenes, um, to being realistic about it and knowing actually there is a sort of, you know, this club is going to come in and give us sort of money that we would consider, and so that we can ourselves then, as I say, future-proof ourselves and not get caught with. 12, 13 million pounds in our pocket that the world knows about and kind of puts us in a, a disadvantage when we're trying to replace him. Um, as you say, as we talked about the Jerry, it's been a smart one to get in early because um, I don't necessarily think we'd have got him for that price at the end of the window. Um, so it would be interesting to see uh, where that situation lies and we, we're going to keep that, keep a close eye on that one and show all of you will as well. Um, the other big name, I suppose, going out, Steve, potentially. I mean, it's not been so much talked about this, but it makes sense in a footballing perspective. Russell Martin likes taking players from former clubs, and his crown jewel here was Matt Grimes. He loved Matt Grimes. He, he built everything around him, as managers have previously. Um, and even though they've spent a lot of money already this window... And particularly in Man City, it seemed to have a very close relationship with Southampton over recent years. 
Um, I still see that one as there's there's going to be interest. There's going to be a bid. Yeah, there, there may well be. I mean, I think that could be late on. I mean, based on at the moment, Ward Prowse hasn't gone, for example, is he? It's like when he mm. goes, maybe Southampton then will have more money, and they may look at Grimes as you know a player that can come in. So. Look, there, there may well be a bit. It doesn't seem like there's much interest from elsewhere, does it? You know, at the moment, and we're just, you know, really we're speculating, aren't we? On, you know, Southampton might come in for him, which I, th- I think they may well do. That wouldn't surprise me. Um, you know, we'll we'll we'll, we'll see, won't we? I mean, yeah. be, I, it wouldn't shock me if um, if there was interest there from Grimes, and I think if there was, he'd probably want to go. I mean, for him now, was he twenty seven, twenty eight? I think if he wants to play in the Premier League. Arguably yeah. now he needs to make a move to try and get there because I don't think he's going to get there with us in the next year or two. And if that's the case, then he's going to end up staying here forever, I'd have thought, which, to be honest, isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, you look at so many people now who move clubs and let's say he goes to Southampton and they were to win promotion, Martin might then upgrade and he might find himself on the bench a lot mm. and then the next move is down and then you could go somewhere for a year or two, you're moving Not again. Work, huh? Sometimes you're better off just... If you're at a club and you're playing all the time and you're happy, you're better off just staying. It's nice sometimes, I know it's easy for us to say not having uh, kicked a ball, professional anchor, but it's nice sometimes to think of being a big fish in a small pond as opposed to the opposite. And, and having seen how those things go, Matt Grimes is certainly not the sort of player that can rely upon stats alone to find himself a, a club either. Because on paper, Matt Grimes isn't a superstar. Because you look no. at him and you go, he doesn't get you goals. He doesn't necessarily get you a lot of assists either. But he's playing in that centre midfield slash deep, deep holding midfielder role. And um, he doesn't ever have that influence on the final, or not, not not ever, but not so often, play that final ball. So clubs can't look at him as a panic and go, that's going to plug a hole because you need to build a style and a system to make Matt Grimes work. He needs to be a forethought, doesn't he, not rather than an afterthought. Yeah, I think so. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see just what, what Grimes does really want to do. I think mm. that's the that's what's going to boil down to. He did love Martin himself, didn't he? So he may want to work with him again. And who's to say what his relationship with Duff is going to be like? We we don't know, do we? So, but you do have to think sometimes about your long term. I mean, let's use a good example. It was Ashley Williams, right? He was here for years. Yeah. For whatever reason, he decided to go. I, you know, the impression I got was that he was annoyed that Rogers didn't come back. Um, Joe Allen didn't come with him and, yeah. and whatever else a bit disillusioned about the direction of the club which I think we all were but I mean he went to Everton he was there for two years didn't really work out then he went on loan to Stoke ended up at Bristol City and I mean he was back in the same like he went back to the championship when we were relegated essentially so you'd have to say it didn't really work out and by leaving as well he really sacrificed what would probably have been a job for life then at the Swans didn't he I mean I think Williams would have been offered something behind the scenes would still be here now. Yeah, if he I mean, hasn't gone with himself punditry wise. Yeah, oh, he, he has. Right? Yeah, but I mean, he, he he could have settled into quite a nice like life yeah. down here. Yeah, and in the end, he decided to move, and now he's on a different path. Now that's fine. I'm not criticising him. Yeah, but you wonder if he looks back at that and goes, "Well, I left and didn't really actually work out and didn't gain me a lot." Yeah. Whereas for Grimes, if he's happier and he's settled, then sometimes it's not worth the upheaval. So, but it, it does just depend on what he wants. So then, if, but if he does want to play in the Premier League, realistically, if Southampton come in. The sensible thing for him to do is to go. I think that's how I would look at it. And you know, at his age now, I think when he does get to thirty, then he is better off just staying with us. So, you Let know, me tell you something, right? This is going off on a tangent, but Ashley Williams went downhill. Downhill, 
when he started growing his hair out. I don't, I'm not a fan <laughs> of this. Joe Allen, at Stoke, I just thought, you know, what? <laughs> you know what? I just thought, you cut your, keep, keep, keep your hair short as a football, neat and tidy, whatever. When players start growing their hair out and becoming these superstars, didn't Ben Wilmot do it at Stoke as well? Possibly. Not, just not the same. Aidan Flint did it at Cardiff. You know, mind you, I would say going to Stoke is career suicide. So <laughs> a lot of these, any, any, any big deal. No one leaves Stoke and, and does better. <laughs> a lot of people grow their hair at Stoke for some reason. But I'm looking at players who had young, promising careers and then decided they grow their hair and it just quite go the way to plan. This is a this is like your number eleven thing. This is my rant for another day. But um, yeah, I do think uh, Ashley Williams is probably coming to that cusp of a time as where we were at the club and he was his career was slightly starting to reach the top of the hill. And, and well, was, his, the his yeah. worst year was actually the last year. Yeah. Yeah. Like quite a distance, I would say. Yeah. And I would say it's a good time, that the Swans actually didn't do a bad thing no. in moving him on. No, you're I think right. the frustration thing more was that, you know, it felt like we he was deciding to go as opposed to us being proactive and bringing someone yeah. in to replace it. Yeah. Would oh, be, Bayram would have got rid of him three years earlier, mate. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe would have. But look, I think that's, I think the Williams thing, as I mentioned, it's just because he made his decision to go, and it, it didn't really pay out, pay off for him in the no, it didn't. And then the, you know, like I say, he was settled here. There would have been a coaching job for him, or even if he didn't want to do that, there would have been, you know, working behind the scenes and or anything ambassadorial role, anything like that, wouldn't it? Whereas I think if Grimes did stay here, I mean, he's what's he on two hundred games now? I mean, if he if he doesn't move, he's going to end up with four hundred plus. I would have thought, yeah. And then you you will end up with a, a job for life, wouldn't you? And then you know, rather than what some players do, when you keep moving round and. You don't settle anywhere, and then when you finish, what, what are you going to do? So, you know, I think there's, there's there can be that side of things as mm-hmm. well sometimes that people maybe don't think about. Anyone else you think might leave? Whitaker, I think you'd have to say. Yeah, yeah. It's a likely one. I mean, I, I think his Swansea career is at a now or never point, being a two and a half years. Do you think Duff would give him a shot? He might, but I mean, the player himself might want to go. I think he wanted to go, certainly when Martin was here, because Martin didn't like him well he just seemed to hate him yeah I I did feel a little bit sorry for him I think that you know he is a player that has done well at Plymouth they obviously wanted to sign him and um, yeah we recalled him for whatever reason and he he ended up staying and and barely playing so I think Whitaker under a different manager maybe could be decent but I I do get the feeling he's going to go I think he might only have a year left as well so you know I think I think if he's a player that maybe is looking to move on then cashing in wouldn't be the worst decision but look I mean if, if he could turn around and said look it's a clean slate and I with a different manager I'd like to stay I'd like to be in the team then I wouldn't be against that either so you know I think you know he but he is somebody that, that could go isn't he I think most of the others even though we've got a lot of players out of contract next summer like I was thinking about this the other day and I, but I don't think there's that many that are going to have interest in them. I think Unchan could be someone that does. Yeah, there's but, another one. Yeah. And Nathan Wood, maybe. I mean, he's been linked to the move. Have we got the option to trigger that extension I, on I his think, contract? Yes, we have. I mean, I, I, did, trainer, doesn't it? I did clarify that with Ian Mitchell Moore the other day because I wasn't sure and he said that they do. So the fact that they haven't, it was baffling. Right? Just, just do it. I mean, I mean, in, in a sense, is there any rush if at any point it, if someone comes in and we can just go, well, we're going to keep there it is, next but, year? I mean, but, the fact is that you know, they, they're going to still have to buy him. He can't walk at this point, can he? Yeah, I know. But I mean, from Wood's point of view, like he doesn't want to be sitting there thinking, "Are they going to do it? Or are they going to sell me forever?" Surely, it's a case of they should be turning around to him, going, "Look, we're going to trigger it, but we'd like to offer you something else as well." 
Oh, I see what you mean. You but, want a, a long-term kind of... That's not in our... Not certainly in the last 10 years or so. No. That's not the way we do business, though, is that we don't tend to go and cost the extra money that we don't we can't scrimp and save ourselves. Is that If we were going to offer him a flash new deal... Um, and Maybe. again, that still doesn't say that we aren't going to sell him anyway. No, Maybe I know. We just recoup more money for him in a transfer well, market. Well, that's what would happen, I would have yeah. thought. But, yeah, so I think that they're the likely candidates yeah. to go, aren't they? I mean, some of the others that are on a contract are like Patterson and Cullen, Allen, um, Norton. I mean, I don't see people coming in for that. No, them. no, it's for us. Uh, for, 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 nowhere, yeah, for, for example. So you know, I don't think we need to do a great deal there. But um, yeah, I think they they are mean things. And like we said, we'll need a striker to replace Perot if he goes. And then, I mean, the other positions is oh, we're desperate for a left wing back, aren't we? Well, absolutely desperate. So Josh Key played there the other day, and it's interesting to see that. I'm hoping it's a case of we're not playing, not that he can't play there, um, but in the sense of um, if he was preferred to play on the right side, then I think we shouldn't mess around with that going into the season. If we can get a right left wing back in, we need to do that. And we need to do that rather than, because how many times have we mentioned square pegs in round the holes of this yeah. club? But that's not to say he can't play there and he can't be very good at it. But I'd but rather but him but play in his favourite position. Yeah, but also, if, if that happens, we've got to bring in somebody else to play the other side, then, haven't we? So either yeah. way, there needs to be someone... That, I think, really, we do need someone at left-back, but we arguably need somebody then that maybe can fill in the two. But or if he can, he can do both. Yeah, or if he can do both, then we need to bring in another right-back. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. And then that covers you. I, know, I suppose what you could say is, if we play a back four, could Norton play right-back still? Just do as the long job. as that's a disciplined if, back four, yes, not a free like, roaming one. Like he isn't going to go forward, is he? No, I, I wouldn't have thought. No, but I mean, could he do a job there? Yeah, maybe. But I mean, the fact is they've kept him, so that suggests that he, you know, he has to well, do a job somewhere. Can, well, tell you can do a job at right back, Harry Darling, as we saw at the end of last yeah, season. I mean, but yeah. that's a, that's in a case of injuries or suspensions, I suppose. But I mean, maybe. But I've got to be honest, I much preferred him there to somewhere like Gladbach. Yeah, I mean, he played there at Cardiff. Yeah. Yeah. Did well. I mean, we had one shot that nearly went in, didn't he? Yeah, just cracker, yeah. yeah, Darling, to be honest, wasn't bad there. I like Harry Darling. I, I, I would say if he could get himself in that first team picture and play every week, if Mark Grimes goes, he's the sort of character I want leading the team out. He's got that fight in him. He's got that. I think the fans really like him as well. And uh, I know this isn't a Harry Darling podcast, but he's someone who I hope, I mean, I've got no basis to, to ground this on. But I hope he has a long and successful career here because I think he could really become something of a huge fan's favourite. Yeah, I like Darlin. that personality about him, doesn't he? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, but I think the issue with Darlin is he does have a, a mistake in him. But I think ability-wise, he is generally superb. He could play in different positions. That as, team, as we've is seen, a, a, an absolute chasm of mistakes in those, isn't it? The way we've done. Yeah, it does. Like, well, it wasn't just him, was it? But I mean. If you look at him, I mean, he's someone that can bring the ball out from the back, for example. Yeah. I mean, at MP Don, I think he scored 10 goals season before last so season. Sure, he got about four goals for us last year. And let's be honest, he, did he play about half the games? Yeah. It's like he's, he's got a, th- a threat at the other end. That, like, there's a real player in there. And, you know, uh, for whatever reason, Martin seemed to blame him for mistakes, but others would make mistakes and would keep the yeah, place. So, you know, so that would be another one where, you know, th- this clean slate might just benefit him, which is. Really, a bit surprising because you would have thought that Martin would have really seen him as his go-to centre well, half, but he, but he didn't, did he? There's there's a lot of talk, and I, I can't verify it. Whatever that Martin didn't actually want to bring in Harry Darling, and they wanted other players instead. But that would, in some way, if that was to have some semblance of truth to it, do would explain why he had this kind of cold demeanour towards him, considering he would, in on paper, look like a. Russell Martin's man yeah, you know, and they did sign in for MK Dons from Cambridge didn't they so you would think wouldn't you but anyway we don't know that's just rumour um, 
so it, obviously we talked about replacing Perot and we got to get the wing backs in. Is there any other areas that we've got the goalkeeper room where we mentioned earlier on? That seems, if that comes to fruition, to be another smart move from the club, early doors. Um, I'd like us to see us, um, if we are going to lose the likes of Cham or Grimes or both, um, we need players in the middle then as well, don't we? Yeah, I think that will depend really on what, what happens in there. I mean, like you say, I mean, we've got... I mean, Grimes and Fulton were quite regulars in the team. To be fair to Walsh, when he we need wasn't him to injured, be fit. Yes, yeah. but I think that's a, he's another one of our contract in the year's time. Um, yeah, the issue with him is fitness, isn't it? I mean, Joe Allen, obviously, similar fitness he's issues. Got, I am more hopeful with him, as I've said this year, because I think last year wasn't a normal. He did play 50-odd games the year before for club and country, yeah. I think. So I do think that if we have a good pre-season there, it would be okay. Like I said, and Cham and Patterson, we are well-stocked in the middle unless someone goes, then it's different, isn't it? In that hole, where you've got Walsh, Cooper... Um, well, of course, Cooper. Um, who else was the third? Or Patterson, where we were talking about him earlier on. I mean, um, and Cham has played there. I don't think it's his best position, so I don't want him to play there. But when you look at Walsh, uh, injured for most of his time here, and um, Patterson has had lots of difficulties since he's come here as well, um, after the first few months. Um, so... I look at that and I think need players obviously who can rely upon being available and um, so there's there's certain places where I think they would come at the end where I would look at and say get everything you need and then you got to the list of the wants then haven't you rather than the needs and I think that's yeah. where they fit in don't they? Yeah I think so I mean I don't view that as the priority that's going to be a very much an as and when of what happens I mean I think we were there was some interest in us bringing the Cundle uh, back to the club um, yeah, yeah, and obviously that would be a smart well. move. If that yeah, was but again, that wouldn't. But I think it'd be more of a case. We wouldn't need to spend much money. No, I think a loan signing like that would be. And that could move. happen in mid-August, couldn't it? It doesn't yeah. have to be rushed necessarily. If Wolves are seeing his progression come on nicely here, and uh, he's not going to feature there, he's not at that level. Yeah, I, I don't so. think so. So I, I, yeah, that would, that's the type of move I would make there, as opposed to maybe bringing someone in. But I think the other way to look at it is obviously Ginley's come in. If he's coming in as a wide man. We need to bring another winger in, really, don't we? Because mm. otherwise, you're going to be unbalanced. So, obviously, as we said, he's injured. So, we don't know. But I would like to see another wide man with pace come in. I think maybe for the other side. So, yeah, that's there's, there's they are the areas that I'm that I'd be looking at. I think. I think if we did that, then we'd have quite a, a good balance to us. Options, you know, the the possibilities of playing different formations. So, yeah, I'd be quite encouraged then. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's lots of uh, transfer activity still to go. I'm sure there'll be lots of, if it, the first couple of weeks are there anything to go by, um, lots of comings and goings still to happen at the Swans, and um, hopefully they're as smart as the ones that we've made so far appear to be. Um, we're going to finish the pod, Steve, on a bit of a lighter note and talk about uh, the um, the kit and the badge, because um, those are two developments that have happened over the summer as well, which we haven't touched upon yet. Um, let's go on to the perhaps less controversial one at the moment, even though they both stirred up a fan base a little bit. And let's talk about the kit. Um, the home kit's a bit of a weird one for me because you've got the manufacturer just above the badge, and it is a bit weird in that sense. You normally have one on each chest, on each um, breast, whatever. So, um, but I think it might be one that will grow on me. Yeah, um, I remember the first year at the stadium that we had one like that, and we where the 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 badge was in the middle. So. Yeah, but, but did we have the manufacturer above it, or did we yeah, have that? Oh, we did. What was that? Was that? Um, Travelhouse, wasn't it? Travelhouse on top. No, they oh, were the, they were the shirts. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Travelhouse. 
And then, I remember yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have had that before. I mean, yeah, look, it is a, it's a little bit different. Than the yeah. Old, but like, I would say it's not one of my favourite Swans kits. Um, but look, I mean, it's not the end of the world, is it? It's still it's, it's decent enough. It's it's all right. Um, yeah. You know, I think the away kit again is okay. Preferred lashes orange to the cult classic, uh, yeah. should we say? Um, or just a bog standard black, which is always good in my view. Or like the other stuff, like the. Do you remember the red and green from the centenary? That was a great. Uh, I love that kit. Yeah, that was, it was a, great, a Welsh tint. Yeah, that, well, wasn't it? It was yeah that, that was a great shirt. So I don't think any of them are like you know classics, what? but I'll tell you what. And the um, and the gold one we had yeah. at the loud drops uh, time year. Those are probably my two favourites yeah. over the past the, ten years. The best remains the the black that we debuted at yeah. Rushton and Diamond. Yeah, that's still the best. But um, the worst remains the the light blue and pink. Like that, that should be on. A I got, shirt. I got that upstairs. <laughs> You've got a problem. Man. That should be on a shit shirt website. I don't know who came up with that, but whoever did, like Anger Red in shame, absolutely terrible. I think that was targeted at a certain audience, isn't it? That kit, possibly. It but definitely uh, wasn't me. I can tell you right now. I would, <laughs> I wouldn't wear it if you paid me. <laughs> so, um, kits, we're giving them a seven out of ten. I think it was the yeah, decent about that, first. I suppose um, maybe a six. I think credit to Joe Ma. I do think. Um, Joma do produce different kits. We got an identical kit rolled off the manufacturer's line that if you get a Nike or an Adidas, whatever, you see, oh, that's the same kit as every other club, only it's yeah. in our colours. Yeah, and basically, I think the top clubs then are the ones dictating certain designs. And they've not, like, you know, last year's orange one, which, you know, was very popular. Like, I think they sold a hell of a lot of that. But if that was, I don't think with Adidas or Nike or something like that, you could have, no. they, they would have allowed we've you to got do a, that. We've got a freedom of expression. Yes, and, and I think that's what's, what's good. I mean, as much as the Adidas stuff was great stuff, I think I do quite like being with someone that gives you a little bit more freedom. And yeah. like I say, I mean, we got that's the reason why we had last year's you know, cult classic. So, yeah. yeah. But the problem is when you have a cult classic... You know, the next one isn't usually as good, and I think that's the case. Oh, we do. Thing is, we're going to have a third kit, and we? we're going to do that at the yeah. start of the season as well, and that's going to be something. Lots of wear at West Brom. Yeah, probably. yeah. I think uh, it's probably going to be. Yeah, there's, there's going to be games, isn't there, where it's going to be deemed. Well, you can always be clever, can't you? I mean, if you have like, um, if you have a red away shirt, you're already meaning that it's Stoke, Sunderland, Southampton, Sheffield United. If you're there in your league, you're not going to play yeah, your white. You're not going to play your reds. Yeah, exactly. It's clever, isn't it? And arguably Man United, they always have a white away shirt, don't they? Yeah. And Liverpool quite often do. There you go. Clever marketing, isn't it? That's how you get around it. Money-grabbing bastards is what I call it. But yes. yes. <laughs> another oh, Brent, Brentford's another one. They, they red and white, don't they? Yeah. yeah, you, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. I think if, I think it'll be a, a decent response in, in the club shop <clears throat> for those kits. I think they're decent enough. But uh, Right, OK. Let's finish it on the badge because um, I can't not mention it. Um some people seem genuinely upset about this, like they haven't got anything better to do in their lives, which is baffling to me. Well, yeah, like there's, there's, there's some that are genuinely fooling, they can't <laughs> just, <laughs> but still bringing it up. Oh, I mean, like, you know, it's got to, he must have a very sheltered life. But look, I, in, my set, in my point of view, I really, really liked the Swan on the Castle badge. It's the Swan's classic. I would have liked to keep it. And I love the, the copper in the castle as well, going back to the history of Swans and stuff like that. I think it was an improvement, actually, on the one it was emulating from, from the 90s and whatnot. I think it was actually better than that. That said, <laughs> I'm not going to lose a lot of sleep over it, Steve. People yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, I agree with you in the sense of they should not have changed the badge. No, they shouldn't have. They shouldn't have. I'll say that. They shouldn't look, have. I, what I don't get is like they changed the badge for that one year 
because they're saying to celebrate 40 years since our best season they're finishing sixth in the first division alright then I found it a bit odd that they made a slight adjustment to it but I find it even stranger that again like they changed it back yeah. I'm thinking I don't like I sort of understood that, you know the gold swan that we always knew that was for one season didn't we yeah. Could the celebrate centenary I, I get that and then they changed it straight back to the, the previous one okay that's fine but for me, the change that they've made recently was to a better badge. Oh, a more old lovely badge. Football badge. Like, but the, all the badges now have become so... There's no detail in badges I anymore. Know. They're so simple and so basic, like by arty designers. that goes, flick, flick, swish. Yeah. There's your new badge. You're like, no, but this had meaning. This had depth. And the badge we had didn't yeah. have depth. It was lovely. I think a lot of the old school badges are better for most clubs, generally. Do you, like, look, for yeah. example, the UV badge. Yeah. And they turned it into the J. And I'm thinking that is an abomination compared to what it used to be. I know. Like, I remember Millwall had once. Before, they had the Roaring Lion one, I think. And Theoprofitas changed it to, to, like, two lions on the side. And they were livid a lot. And I'm thinking, but people want their, like, more traditional badge, I think. Yeah. And I, I did, I thought that badge was, was class. I've got to be honest. Um, it's one of them. I, the, the badge that we've used for most of my life. Didn't have a problem with it, but then when they brought this other one, I was like, actually, this one's a lot Fantastic better. Fantastic move. Yeah, and I don't know why they've then changed it, but also, you shouldn't be changing the badge every year. That's the truth. It's there for a period of time, because it is our badge, so I don't know why they've... It's the club crest. Yeah. Do you I know, don't you know why don't change they... that all the time, do you? Yeah, and I, to be honest, I think they really think... Why didn't they go to a votive season they could us? Realistically, to uh-huh. say, look, we've, done, we've changed this badge now, and we want to make a decision on the badge going forward. Do you want to go back to the the one we've used since the late 90s, or do you want to persist with the one that we've got now? And it would have been interesting to see how the vote would have gone. Yeah, yeah. I think it would have actually, the, the one from last season would have won, I think. But, look. There was it, a lot of love about yeah. the one from last season, I think. The detail in it harks back yeah. to a more traditionalist style of football kits and football badges, which we've seen so less and less and fewer and fewer of yeah. in the game now. And I, I, I just... When I saw that, it was the, I, like I said just now, I thought it was even an improvement on the one, you talk about the tweaks they made to it, I thought the tweaks they did make were actually making it even more visually alluring, yeah. as opposed to something where you look at it and you go, oh, you didn't need to do that, or you ruined it, no, I actually thought, actually. They made it lighter, it's didn't amazing. they? amazing, it looks really good. Lighter. It, was, it was a great blue in it as well. In the, the, well, the remember a card if we, like they put they put the two badges on the screen. I remember seeing our badge on it and thinking it looks wow, like, that looks, it looks amazing. It's just, I remember thinking the same thing. Yeah, Whenever it, looked, it comes up on a TV screen yeah. and, you, and like that, and you're looking at it going, oh, it was, it's visually stunning. Yeah, it's so striking, like more so than the one they've gone back to. But uh-huh. I do look, I don't I think do it's sympathize with people who are um, clearly upset over the, the badge changing because I do think in that regard, it was a bad move. Yeah, I think it's a mistake, but I mean, look, I. It's, it's other things that I would say that are more important at the club in terms of, you know, us being successful and all this type of thing. So, you know, that's why I'm not going to get too annoyed by it, but I do think they made a mistake. Yeah. And I would like us in the future to have that badge. That That's the, the truth of it. Maybe it will come to fruition because, you know, I think a lot of people did say that they preferred that badge. So, look, we'll we'll wait and see, won't we? Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed, I must admit. I thought that mm. badge was... Was an upgrade, and I didn't see the need to revert back. But the decision's been made. Um, it's not going to change at this stage, so it is what it is, isn't it? It is what it is. There we are. It's a good way to end it. We played that politically neutral, Steve. We've parted from both sides there in that one. But no, I do think uh, I think we both agree that um, 
whilst uh, we don't agree with the decision, um, it's just done it. now. It's done now, isn't it? So there we go, um, and that pretty much wraps up the end of part two of our bumper podcast. This one's fully hour and a half, so thank you if you're still here listening. Now we did have a lot to cover and a lot of rambling to do, so uh, thanks for sticking with us, and uh, hope you've enjoyed it. Um, probably, unless there's something ridiculously newsworthy, next one is going to be something of a pre-season, um, sorry, a, yeah, what was it? What, a season preview. Season preview, that's the word I was looking for, yeah, a season preview, just before the new year gets underway, so stick with us for that, we'll let you know when that's up and ready to go, um, when we do that one, um, but yeah, and we'll talk about, about fixtures and dates and key dates in the diary and stuff, we'll leave that for the next one, there's plenty to talk about. And hopefully we'll be talking about a few more incomings as well. Um, But for now, from myself and Steve, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.